You know, we've been talking about this idea, of, again, of, of a sustainable faith and building blocks for that sustainable faith. And, you know, we've been looking at this, this part of the letter of Peter. And, you know, a big, big part of why we did this was because we wanted, it wasn't just because we wanted to have a good Bible study. That's, that has value to look at something from the scripture and learn from it, no question about it. But really it had to do with a lot of things that are just going on in our world. And, um, you know, I just, again, thinking about life in general, how it can be such a roller coaster. And oftentimes, you know, we're just kind of going along and things are happening here and there. And one moment we're feeling up, the next moment we're feeling like we're, we're not doing great. It's kind of how life is, you know? Maybe some of us even came in that way. You know, we came in with a lot of stress. Maybe it was even stressful getting here. But the fact of the matter is, you know, in fact, I was thinking about this because I was, honestly, I, I had a very interesting day yesterday, even leading into this morning, and I was reflecting on it. Yesterday, early on, you know, Saturday evening we have a service, and I was, I was going to be sharing in that evening. But earlier on in the day, I... I made a, a decision that I was going to drive up to Sacramento real early in the morning because my, my youngest daughter was playing soccer there at our university and I wanted to see her play. And so I figured, you know what, if I just do this right, the time frame's right, I'll be able to get up there, watch the game, support her and the team, and then get back down in the Bay Area. And, you know, I kind of should have known a little bit when uh, I was driving across the bridge going out, I was noticing, man, it's really early for the bridge to be that filled up with, with cars at a standstill, you know. And then it dawned on me that it was Fleet Week and people were just flooding in. And, um, you know, that did not bode well. But I thought, you know what, hopefully by the time I get back, you know, it will be filtered out a little bit. Um, enjoyed the game. And then I, I just started dashing back to the Bay Area, you know, back to San Francisco. And along the way, I, mean, I wasn't even at Vacaville, and it was like stopped. And I go, oh, this is not good. I started calling. I said, Cheryl, you know, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to get home in time to change for the evening service. I go, is it possible you could maybe meet me at the, at the church and stuff? So I was, I was getting a little bit anxious. It was like nothing was moving. Things started moving. I, I get to Richmond. Oh, my goodness. Like standstill. Surpassed only by my experience getting onto the bridge, <laughs> which was like agreeing to park in a parking lot, basically. And I don't know, don't tell, why do they call it fast track? There is no fast track. There's, not, there's no fast part to it. It's just like, stop. So I get there, you know, and again, part of what was going on is going, oh, I'm not, I'm, I, now my mind, I'm in a bad, people are honking, merging, not moving, trying to get inches up. And it was just, it was, it was rough, you know? And I was just sitting there going, man, this is really bad. This is no good. I'm going to have a hard time. And, and, you know, and then I just lifted up my eyes in the middle of that parking lot. And I love the Bay Bridge, but that's what it was. I lifted up my eyes, and, and I saw angels, blue angels, flying, <laughs> <laughs> flying all around me. And I said, well, at least it's entertaining parking lot, you know? And, and I ended up enjoying the whole show on the, on the Bay Bridge. <laughs> so... I made my way. I barely got here in time. I get here in time, and, you know, after service, it has its own kind of unique thing going on. I don't know, you know, I'm a, I'm a baseball fan. I'm a football fan. I'm kind of a San Francisco. I was born and raised, my home teams. And so there was a playoff game. I was in church, so I didn't really know what had happened until after service. And I get to watch the highlight. Everybody's happy. It was really, every, you know, Giants win, great win and all that. So, you know, I went to bed. I was feeling pretty good. You know, I, I got past my Bay Bridge experience and had a good service. And I get up in the morning. You know, I get up pretty early on Sunday mornings, typically, when I have to, especially when I speak out. 
you know, my alarm kind of goes off a little bit before six. I usually press a little, little uh, snooze button, and then, and then what happens is um, the news comes on, and I'm listening. And you know, I'm trying to get ready for the day, be in a really good place, and I just hear the news. You know, Ebola death, and. Um, concerns about spread, spreading and what's going on in the world. And then I start listening, and then the next thing they're talking about is the ongoing war in the Middle East and what moves are going to be made. And, and, and just, just it, was, it was like, what, what a mess it is there. And I hear someone talking about the next thing comes on, you know, in the economy. We've got some really challenging times. The stock market dropped big time. And all this stuff's going on, and I'm just kind of like listening. By the time I got up, you know, I was like, wow, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world right now. Some, some of it's really scary. You know, so I was not, now I, I was no longer in a, in a that was not how I plan, plan on starting my day. I get outside, I start walking in. You know, it was one of those unique times, by the way. I grew up on the west side of the city. I grew up on the sunset, the far outer sunset, 47th Avenue, Great Highway, fog. The sunset, you know the old joke, it's sun, it, the sunset and it never came back, right? It just like disappeared. Right, that's, so, you know, that was my, so I'm on the west side of the city. Now, I, this is one of those rare moments. I get out, I get out, I'm kind of like going, man, there's a lot of stuff going on. What does that mean in terms of our faith and all that? You know, I've had this already up and down kind of experience the last hours. I get outside, I look up and I, I, I go, wow, there's a moon out right now. So at six in the morning, I see the moon. I go, wow, I can see stars. Now, I usually can't see stars in San Francisco. You know, usually it's like, it's, light, it's lit up or there's fog, but I could see stars and I felt a warm breeze. And I go, you know what, Lord? I know a lot of things are going wrong, but I'm so thankful to be alive. So I start walking out to the car. I, I drive here to the mission. And uh, it's so good because there's all kinds of parking spaces everywhere, you know? <laughs> I, I, when you hear that early, all those things were opened up. And I try, we tweeted the staff and the teams, which we try to park far away so our guests can have the, the best spots. And so I was a couple blocks away and I'm just walking through and just thinking, you know, what is how good it is to be alive. I'm looking forward to today sharing this word. I get inside and um, just sort of reflecting on things. And then someone tells me, someone comes in and says, hey, did you see the side of the building? I said, the church. I said, no. I go, well, I saw one side. Did you see the other side? I said, no. Why? Oh, somebody like spray painted our building. I go, are you serious? You know? So I go back around. And so then I was in a good mood. And I look at the wall, uh, the side of our building. No, I'm, I'm in a bad mood now. I'm, in nice, I'm not happy. And so I end up, I call everybody. I was, where's the, where's the primer? I, so I'm sitting there spray paint, you know, spray painting the spray paint, the, the graffiti, not the good kind of graffiti. We're like, there's no good graffiti. It was people are walking by, sympathizing. And I thought, oh, wow. So this is my day so far. I come back in, and then I go, but now I get to be in church. And, and uh, get to share and enjoy together with all, with all of us. So, you know, I said all that. Um, so you would have an idea of how my day went, really. I got <laughs> no, I got uh, I, I had a reason, you know. It, it actually had to do with, it, you know, it had to do with this idea of how our days could change so quick from one thing to the next. You're having a great day. You're five minutes late to your parking meter, and you've got a ticket sitting up there. And you're going, where's the mercy? Where's the mercy? What happened? You know, stuff happens like that. It's amazing. Some of us, we can take the big stuff. It's bad. We're not happy about it. Now, I know, I know there are more than a few of us at different times. We just want to check out of it because 
we start feeling this kind of low-grade fear. And I get that. None of us are exempt. That's why we're talking about a sustainable faith. How do we prevail in changing times? But then also just like in the everydayness of life, stuff happens, key relationships. I know some of us right now are going, it's just the way it is. Very few of us have no problems right now. I'm not sure anyone does. And if we do, that's great. I'm happy for you. I, that's not me. Because <laughs> real life has stuff. Real life has a lot of irritations. And then if, every now and then it has some really big stuff. And I know that some of us are struggling with health issues, relational stuff's melting down. We've got stuff that some of us are facing around the bend of our corner. We don't have time to worry about the big picture world. We're just trying to know how do I follow Jesus in the midst of an environment that is so kind of stressful where I'm working, you know? These things. Oh, that's not even mentioning. I'll just take it. That's not even mentioning sometimes the struggles that are going on inside of us, in our minds, in our hearts. Some of us might be struggling with really think, tough stuff inside. We're, we've got, we're getting stuck in things that we don't even want to be stuck in. We, we're trying to get peace of mind on some areas. and they, we were, Some of us are battling loneliness and discouragement. I'm just saying, how, does our, how do we have a faith that's nimble, that's growing? To see, this is really what Peter was getting at. He's talking about having a faith that prevails through the ups and downs of life and in the everydayness, the little things, and also in the big things. So it's not like, oh, we're just looking at some neat concepts. He's trying to talk to us as a man years removed from his time with Jesus. Now he's a much older apostle writing a letter to believers, and he's trying to encourage them to grow in their faith. And so what we read here is connected to his desire to see all of us have a strong, sustainable faith that is capable of prevailing through all the ups and downs that this world presents us with and also our own lives and also inside of us. Okay, so let's read this through real quick. Second Peter 1, verses 1 and 2 <coughs> says this, Simon Peter, a bondservant of, and an apostle of Jesus, to those who have obtained this like precious faith. So he identifies himself, and we talked about this. One submitted, a bondservant. One sent, an apostle. I'm writing to all of you who believe. So in this sense, he's writing to people who've come to open up their hearts to Jesus. And again, I like to say that I know not all of us maybe are even there yet. Some of us are right on our way. We came here. It was amazingly a courageous thing for us to do. So we didn't even know like what this church thing's all about. But we came because someone we cared about or a friend told us and... We're here, and God is, a, God is among us. It's a safe place. Uh, Simon Peter writes this to those who've obtained like precious faith on the basis of the righteousness of our God and our Savior Jesus, Jesus the Christ, the promised one. He says, I pray this blessing over all of you, and it's for all of us. Grace, the, the love and the power of God may, it, may be multiplied in your life. May God's presence show up in amazing ways in your life. May God's grace cover your life. May his peace be with you. May his peace be multiplied over your life. All the areas that would steal it away, may the peace of Christ come upon you. But then he goes on to say, you know, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence. So he talks in a couple other verses prior to that, he talks about the provision of God. And then he makes this statement. These are the building blocks that we've been exploring. He says, I want you for this very reason, giving all diligence, making every effort, throw your heart into it, giving all diligence, add to your faith. That's the first first building block that we looked at, your faith, your trust in Jesus, your willingness to embrace the promise of God and open up your life to him. That's the foundation stone, the first one. On top of that, 
He says, add virtue. We talked about what this meant in the past few weeks. This idea of excellence and, and courage and being willing to, to face things and to have a faith that's active and vital and growing, not passive and lethargic and uninspired. How there are going to have to be times, if we're going to do this right, where we have to stir our hearts up towards God so that we can have some new freshness flow into our lives. Because what he's really trying to remind us of is don't just settle for a purely intellectual faith. Don't just settle for a passive faith that is sort of disconnected from everyday life so that it's kind of a faith that maybe shows up one hour a week, a few times a month. But when it comes to tomorrow or the rest of the week or in the home place or in the relationships, it's not really showing up. He's saying, don't, don't, live, don't live like that with Christ. Have a faith that's alive, that's active, that's courageous, that shows up. Now, again, that's what Peter had passion and it's really helpful to, to look at these things through the lens of who he was. He's writing it, so it helps, it invites us to look at his life as an illustration for the things he's kind of challenging us to pursue. He says, take that faith and make sure that it's not some dead, passive, just like purely religious expression. Activate it, make it alive, contend, pursue. Let the, let the life of God be in you. And he says, and that's a choice we make. And then he says, take that faith, that make it energetic, but then add to that this third building block. Add to that knowledge. And he doesn't necessarily mean, just stay with, he doesn't necessarily mean like acquisition of, of just more facts. That's, that's a good thing to know more. What he's talking about, his, the, the, the idea here is add to your faith that's passionate a wisdom and an understanding that is capable of showing up in your life on the, in, by, in the way that you make your decisions, the way that you live, the way that you love, the way that you walk out your faith. Let it have both, you see it, a, a, a vitality, but also an informed vitality. Let it be energetic at the same time. Let it not be reckless. And he knew this personally. He was a person who had a lot of passion. But if you think about it, one of his real weaknesses in his life, especially early on in his Christian life, as a, when he was a young disciple, was that he tended to be reckless, impulsive. He didn't think a lot. His, he, he didn't have a lot of discernment. He had passion, but he didn't have really a sensitivity uh, or, listen, a healthy self-understanding. He lacked that. He really did. That's why there were times where he would act out and he would say things. And remember we talked about this? Like when he swung the sword to cut off the ear of, uh, he ended up cutting off the ear of one of the guys who was coming to arrest Jesus. And he wants to fight. You know, he thinks that's how you defend Jesus, by fighting. And I admire him at some level for it. But I'm also thankful he was a bad aim because if he had not missed, he could have killed that man. And who knows how things would have played out. Jesus told him, put the sword away. He calmed everything down. I'm just pointing out the fact that Peter was willing to fight. That was not his problem. What he didn't know how to do was how to discern a situation. And he was not capable of seeing his own weakness and flaws. In fact, he would tell Jesus, I will never deny you. And Jesus says, you do not know yourself. God, so do you understand now when he says, add to your faith knowledge, what he's kind of getting at is, have a growing sense of God's wisdom at work in your life. Have faith. Make sure that faith is real, passionate, vibrant, but also balance that vibrancy so that it doesn't become reckless, dangerous, honestly, lacking in understanding. He's trying to contend for wisdom in our lives. 
a wise faith that's informed and capable of making good decisions and enduring through the variety of things that are thrown at us. Now, as I thought about that, as I was sitting with it, it occurred to me that it's possible to be very, I guess, passionate, and at the same time, in our own lives, we might lack that understanding of how to, how to apply the wisdom of Christ. And so I want to sit with things from a slightly different angle, because um, I know that part of God's design for us is this cultivation of knowledge. But again, it's the knowledge not just of facts, but how to apply that. Let me just say this real quickly. I've known people, and I, I'll say this way. There are people that come to the church over the years that come in very wounded. And some of them have come in wounded at the hands of people who knew a lot about Jesus. And in fact, part of their risk was they were coming back home in a way after having experienced something of a wounding somewhere else. Because someone had a lot of faith and a lot of knowledge, but they did not know how to apply that out into a very healthy way in, in the place where they grew up. Um, it was knowledge and zeal without a sense of wisdom and love and kindness. There was disconnects going on everywhere. Many people have been wounded by those who love the Lord or at least have a strong faith in God, but, but don't know how to take what they know and implement it in a wise way. And so the tendency sometimes is to say, well, then I'm just not going to ever really push anything. And that's not what God wants either. God wants us to be able to have a faith that is alive, that is in, that's vibrant. At the same time, it has a sense of wisdom to it. That's what he's getting at. Now, how do we grow in this kind of wise knowledge? This is what I want to sit with in the minutes that we have left, because I want us to push into it. And in my mind, one of the key things for us to do when we, when we think about it is to is remember that knowledge is cultivated and nurtured in an environment. And one of the key ways that knowledge, this knowledge, this wise knowledge is nurtured in our lives is through humility. Now, I, I, when I think of humility, I'm reminded that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And humility can kind of move in two directions here. So if we want to grow in the knowledge of who God is in our lives, if we really want his wisdom to fill our lives, and we need it, by the way, there's no life stage where we do not need an increase of God's wisdom in our lives. When we're younger, we need it to make good decisions. When we're younger, we can make a decision. We say, well, you know, I can always go back if it doesn't work out, but I know, but it, it, squanders, it squanders some things along the way. There's opportunities that are missed that God would have for us if we, if we are not thoughtful about how we make our decisions. And not only that, we can damage ourselves. I've known a lot of people who in their youth damaged themselves because the wisdom of God was not being applied. And then, of course, in the middle places, we can get really, do foolish things all the time. And as we get older, we can start to think that we're maybe irrelevant. Those who are in advancing years feel like, oh, my best days are behind me. And none of those things, listen, that's not true, actually. As long as God put breath in us and he gives us the ability to, to live and think clearly, we have something to contribute and grow into. There is no, I know our world says that when you reach this place of retirement here, you're kind of, you're done. Your best days are behind you, just kind of live out the good life and that's that, if you, you can't. That's not what the Bible teaches. When we follow the Lord, there's no sense of really retiring. It's an ongoing life of development and growth and expansion. It's about even some ways, he says, Paul said, even as my outer person perishes, yet my inner person is renewed day by day. 
There's a sense that God wants to keep doing things in our lives. But that requires humility. Humility goes in two directions here. One, it goes in the direction of humility in relation to God. I think the key is, at least part of it, is that we are, make, we are reminding ourselves that we will always need God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In Hebrews 11, there's this great verse that it surrounds this like, list of, of heroes that are referred to out of the Old Testament. We call it the Hall of Faith, Hebrews 11. And in the Hall of Faith, there's this verse, which you can see. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because the person you know, must, who really wants to come towards God must believe that he is, that he exists, and that he is a rewarder of those who genuinely, honestly, sincerely, authentically, diligently seek after him. So God can, we must believe that he is knowable, and then we must pursue that relationship. And if we do, God will meet us exactly where we are, and we will find him. But this idea of diligently seeking is very important. It means that we're going to have to have enough humility in our life to be open to God. And the thing is, that's why I go sometimes what looked like a setback or a real bad thing that happens to us. Actually, I've found in a lot of people's lives, that's the beginning of a chapter of openness to God that would have never existed before. That's why Jesus said, not all defeats really are defeats. And not all wins are wins. Some things that we, de- we define as a, as a, de- as a what I call failure even, certainly not a success. If that breaks us of our pride and makes us more open to God or more willing to become like what Peter said he was by his own choice becoming, a submitted man to Christ, not forced, a chosen, a chosen relationship of wanting to follow him and represent his heart. That he says, if we open up our lives to God, that's why sometimes the, the, the troubled places in life, the difficult places in life, you know what? They may actually be the breakthrough places. Because Jesus said, what does it profit a person if they gain the whole world and lose their soul? What will a man or a woman truly give in exchange for their life? Jesus taught us that actually there are snares that accompany prosperity if they blind us to our need for God. Because prosperity has a way of creating a veneer that insulates us from our need. But oftentimes it's in our place of despair that we are broken and open. And out of that openness and that brokenness comes the opportunity for a breakthrough in our relationship with God that we would have never allowed before. But because our heart is more open and pliable than it ever has been, it becomes a gift to us. So not everything is bad is bad. So one of the ways, that's one direction that humility moves. But the other, thing, the other way that it moves is not just in relation to God, to our need for God, but also it moves when it comes to knowledge and God's wisdom. It moves in relationship to our understanding of who we are, our self-understanding, recognizing our limitations, right? Our unique vulnerabilities. If we really want to grow as a follower of the Lord, and I'm making an assumption, that's where we are. And if not, I'm, I'm in, in love challenging you to, to do this. That one of the keys is to have enough humility to be honest about our own selves. And that honesty isn't necessarily about, oh, this is who I am. It's about actually, here are my places where God's going to need to really strengthen me because I have some weakness here. And I'm going to need to be aware of that. And so part of growing, because see, Peter, remember I mentioned, he did not know himself. He didn't. And as a result, he, 
he, he, it took him a while to gain a sense of his own weakness. He had an inflated perception of his capacities. And Jesus knew him better than he knew himself. Now, you and I, when the Lord begins to show us, or we begin to get, we get a sense of, wow, Lord, you know, this is an area in my life where I'm actually really vulnerable. And if I'm going to grow in your wisdom and in your knowledge in my life and have a faith that is both vital and wise, then I'm going to need to be honest about where, where I have susceptibility. Some of us, when pressure and stress is placed upon us, we drop into patterns of behavior that are self-destructive. Some of us respond back to what we saw modeled. It's, it's not uncommon for that. I, I see it, even me. Um, uh, places in my life, you say, uh, I, I find myself, if I'm not sometimes self-aware and watching what's happening, that I can simply move with what I've always done. That we all have fallbacks. That when we're not thinking, we kick into. And that sometimes is why we'll say things. We go, where did that come from? It's not in me. But I said it because I was angry. Others of us, when we're lonely or depressed, we drop into places of behavior. Listen, the wisdom of God, do you see what I'm saying? It's trying to, the Lord wants to teach us how to prevail, even in struggle. How to have a faith that, again, I say it, nimble, adaptable, capable of making its way through the ups and downs of life. We all have trigger points. We all have areas that we need help in. And God wants to teach us how to prevail. Secondly, that's going to happen, though, because we've been intentional about a few things. And just stay with me on this. Knowledge and wisdom, that wise knowledge is expanded in our life and added into our faith life when we're intentional and we practice. Never seen anybody really improve in anything that requires skill by being passive. It requires intention. That's why we talk, we, we say, oh, <coughs> read your Bibles. We talk about having a, a, a time of devotion, even if it's a little simple one, like the ones we give out, these little daily breads. We're spending our day with God. We have a little thought. We were reading a couple of passages of scripture, it's part of our life. It's it's becoming integral to who we are. Listen, we become like the people we spend time with. And what we speak oftentimes shapes us. Our words matter, our thoughts certainly matter, because out of the abundance of the heart, Jesus said the mouth speaks. If we want to have life flowing out of us, then we gotta put life into us. If we want to be more like Jesus, we gotta look at him. We got to listen. A lot of times I say to someone, would you want to be more like, if we want to be like more like Christ, you know what, spend some time in the Gospels. Just read his life. If, so, if someone says to me, you know, I'm really battling discouragement, I'm very depressed right now, I'm having a hard time not being angry, even with God, I say, live in the Psalms. If someone is, is needing wisdom to face something, I say, you know what, read the Proverbs. If you want to have a deepening life with Christ and know what it means to get even far below the surface, get into the epistles in the New Testament. Read them. Look at them. Talk about them with people. Get into a small group. Let God's word come alive in you. Listen, you know, I always had a neighbor. One of my neighbors, he was, um, I was talking to him. And I, I share this only because I just kind of want it maybe to stimulate some kind of way that maybe the Lord put it in your heart do the same thing. It's not like I'm some, I, I talk to every neighbor all the time, everywhere about the Lord. It just, I've been developing a relationship with a, a man who's in our neighborhood and um, I've been talking to him and he's been sharing more and more about his life. And uh, now he even allows me to pray with him. And uh, I'll periodically, I will. And he was sharing with me 
some very personal things about his frustration with where he is. He's made some really good moves, but he still feels like he's blocked. He was talking about his job, and he, and he, he was mentioning to me some things that made it really clear. Like, honestly, he was, he was in a very kind of abusive situation, I felt. So why are you staying there? He says, well, I, you know, I could tell it because he was afraid. And he felt like he, he just had nowhere to go. So it was like, so kind of all I got. I said, well, I said, well, uh, would you, can, uh, we talked a bit, and I said, well, could I, is it okay with you? I don't know what to totally say. I had some ideas. I said, is it okay with you if I just pray blessing over you for, in your home right now? So I did just for a couple of minutes. I just prayed with him. And then I said, one thing to think about, it came to my mind, because I think what you need right now is wisdom and courage. I said, why don't you think about, because he says he's starting to read the Bible. I said, why don't you, why don't you consider reading out of the book of Proverbs? Proverbs has 31 chapters. Read one chapter a day for a month. You'll always know where you are. Seven, seven, <laughs> nine, right? Oh, was I supposed to read today? Oh, what's the date? Yeah, that's the one, right? I said, if you do it, I go, I go, just try it. See if God doesn't speak to you and give you some wisdom about your situation. Things that, but see, that's a, if we do this, that's a product of us investing something. We know it. And then, oh, and by the way, there's this wonderful, I mean, this is one of my favorite, speaking of the Proverbs, well, this will be the last verse we look at, but in Proverbs 24, this is in your handout as well, verses 3 and 4. Do you see what a beautiful, I love these two verses because, one, they're so poetic and artistic. And I love the metaphor that's being described. Look what he says here. Through wisdom, see the wisdom in it. Through wisdom, a house is built. And by understanding, it is established. This is true of a home as well. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. It's talking about how we build a house. It's talking about, really, our life as a metaphor for a building. And in a way, God is really saying, pay attention to what's on the inside. You know, in a way, we're all called to be interior decorators. <laughs> God has something inside of us that he wants to give attention to. And he wants to, do you see the way it's rendered? It's, it's rare and fill those rooms with rare and precious treasure. When someone walks in, I say, have you seen this room? Ah, oh, it's beautiful. I know. See, this is what God wants to do inside of us. That's a product of, of choice on our part. Doesn't mean we're getting it all right, but he wants to increasingly see the interior of our life looking more and more beautiful. I know we live in a world that's consumed on the outer, but God is more impressed by what's going on inside. I know that's true. It's countercultural. Last thing we'll say is how do we, how is knowledge, and I'll just finish with this. Knowledge is nurtured, and this is the most encouraging one for me. Knowledge is nurtured in failure. Because the one who wrote this knew exceptional failure. Peter kind of becomes the standard bearer, maybe second only to Judas, as the epitome of failing. Because when you deny the Lord three times the way he did, at least around the cross, it's true, Judas betrayed the Lord. But Peter completely disassociated himself with him after making such a huge stand. And his failure was so spectacular, so overwhelming, so sh utterly shameful that imagine this, that the people he cared most about in life after Jesus all knew how he had failed. And so even afterwards, when he's restored and when the Lord is, you know, after the resurrection, and the Lord talks to him and says, you know, I still believe in you, you can tell he having a really hard time. 
because he, he feels so shameful. He can't even lift his head up. You get the impression. And when Jesus starts asking about, do you love me? And doing it three times, when that was how many times he denied him, it was like, what do you want to do? What are you doing, Lord? You're killing me, right? Why would you do that? But the Lord was trying to heal him. The Lord was trying to heal him just like he wants to heal all of us. He's, try, he's trying to get him past his wound. And a lot of times those failure places is where we learn about God's grace. Peter was a very confident person, very self-assertive. But God taught him something there that I think is coming out loud and clear here. It's not about how strong we are, how vital, how passionate. That's good, but it needs to be harnessed. And then it needs to be reminded, we need to be reminded that honestly at the end of the day it's about how much we are loved in spite of how much we at times let them down and other people down too. And God wants to teach us how to live in that love and how to live in that strength and how to live in the beauty of his promises. And that, that inspires me because how much, listen, okay, you know what? A lot of knowledge and wisdom in life comes out of our failures if we will submit those things to the Lord and learn from them. They actually can become gifts to us. I know, I, I know that sounds like, what are you talking? I'm saying we can have scars that remind us of our folly, but they also remind us of God's amazing grace in our life. And that's really important because you know what that does? It makes us far more compassionate. And the comfort that we receive from the Lord, we can give to others far more authentically. I'm not saying I want to fail. I'm just saying God can use our failures and our struggles and our wrestling because we wrestle with him. It doesn't always go easy. Remember those flaws we talked about? He's calling us, though, to a life of growth in him that presses forward, that's moving on, unjaded, hopeful, not just up and down, but consistently learning how to move forward in faith. That's my prayer for all of us. I'm going to pray it now as we close out. And Lord, I, I just pray again for the blessing of who you are and what you want to do in our lives. And as we close this time out, as we close with our song, it's just so connected to what we've been sharing about not letting our failures define us, but trusting you with them and giving us a good heart and, and faith to move forward, Lord. I just pray that you would do that in our lives. I really pray that grace and peace would be multiplied in all of our lives. I do. And that no matter what, you know, things happening outside, we can't control them. Some things happening close to us, we can't affect them. Things inside of us, we might really need your help with, Lord. But help us to be diligent in pursuing your wisdom for our lives. We come before you humbly, not with demands, with a humble heart. Be gracious and merciful, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, Lord. <laughs>